When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everybody and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a special edition this week because not only have we got Simon Mann, we've got a special guest as well, we've got Ali Khan, the owner of the Multan Sultans in the Pakistan Super League and we're going to hear a little bit about some plans that, that you have Ali for the development of cricket in Pakistan and in particular in the, the region of South Punjab later in the show but first we're going to talk uh, a variety of things. We're going to talk about county cricket. We're going to talk about the World Cup. Some squads have been announced. We're also going to talk about the the IPL. And there's a lot of cricket going on at the moment. Of course, I should just mention at this point, the Cricketer Magazine is offering three free issues. Uh, if you subscribe at the moment, if you go to the cricketer.com forward slash free trial, you can get those three free issues, including, of course, the priceless wall chart just categorising and, and steering you to all the matches this summer that you can watch. It doesn't include the IPL, sadly, but we've had some fun, Simon, watching the IPL, haven't we? It's, it's been really interesting, actually, to watch it. I mean, some games have gone on quite a long time. I think they've got problems with their over rates in, in the IPL, but there have been some fascinating finishes and also some fascinating incidents. We've, we've had the Mancad, of course, that was earlier in the tournament, which got a lot of people going, and we've had Dhoni walking onto the pitch to protest at an umpire's decision. Fine, if you want to do that, by all means, walk onto the pitch and protest at an umpire's decision, but surely the sanction cannot be being fined half your match fee. You've got to get banned for that. You've got to get banned for a couple of matches for walking onto the pitch and and querying an umpire's decision. That's right. Disgraceful. Uh, What would you, Ali, uh, we're putting you on the spot here, but if you were the owner of the Chennai (laughs) Super Kings, uh, Dhoni... Uh, having walked on the pitch, would you would you have something to say about that? Uh, I love it. I love a little emotion, and I'm always on the player's side, so you would only get support from me in that instance. Okay, interesting. Because I think, I mean, Verinder Sehwag has said uh, he, he's the, one of the first Indian players who's come out and said actually that Joni should have been suspended for two games for that. And I agree. I think it's taking to the law the law into your own hands. I think that you can't. That's that. That's the line that you shouldn't cross. Once you're out. You're excluded from the game and you don't have any more uh, involvement in it. Obviously, you can you know, send another batsman in and all that kind of thing, but you shouldn't be allowed to come on the field during the, the play. The umpires are the guys who are in charge of the game. Uh, at the beginning of the IPL, every match, they have this Spirit of Cricket video, which they show to all the players, and each of the captains saying, yes, we abide by the Spirit of Cricket. Obviously, it's a bit of a a spurious, vague term, the spirit of cricket, but one of those things is that the umpires should be in charge. But actually, we've seen, as I'm sure you've noticed, Ali, we've seen some slightly strange umpiring decisions, which has caused, probably, captains sort of taking the law into their own hands. Absolutely. Uh, You have to abide by what the umpires say, but, you know, having a little emotion come in the game and the captain feeling so strongly that he had to feel, he felt the need to go on uh, onto the pitch is wrong. Uh, but if I was the owner at that moment, 
I'd be 100% supporting my player. I suppose also, in, in a way, you take it a, a slightly different way as an owner because you, you obviously want the games to be played in a competitive spirit, but you want, if, if you're an owner and you're investing in a team and you're investing in a tournament, you want that tournament to be successful. You want it to be talked about, and there's no doubt that an incident <laughs> like Dhoni walking onto the pitch causes acres of coverage. So, I mean, you're... You're compromised slightly as, a, as, a, as an owner because you want that sort of controversy, but at the same time, you don't want it to all unravel. Oh, agreed. And obviously, you know, this kind of stuff shouldn't be encouraged. But at that moment, if my captain has gone on the field protesting a decision which he feels very strongly about and is affecting the other players, he's my captain, he's been there from day one, I will 100% support him in that moment. Maybe later I'll talk to him about it. But at that moment... Full support. One other aspect of this as well is that what you could do as well, uh, a corollary to that, is try to improve the standard of umpiring. I think the umpiring in the IPL has not been no. always at the highest standard. Or the um- bowling. Well, yeah, exactly. Well, everybody makes mistakes, don't they? That's the other thing as well. Bats are making mistakes. Fielders are dropping. I mean, even Kobe dropped a catch the other day. I mean, unbelievable drop. I mean, those people might have seen it. Long off boundary. Dolly, he would catch that. Fit. You'd expect him to catch it 200 times out of 200, and he dropped it. So even, even Kobe's making mistakes in the field. It's been a fascinating tournament so far. We're not going to focus on the IPL too much, by the way, but I mean, it has been compelling to watch because there have been so many close games, actually, which is, again, wonderful for the owners and obviously the broadcasters and, and the fans of the teams. Chennai Super Kings uh, are up there at the top. Meanwhile, sort of slightly from the sublime to the ridiculous, or certainly as a contrast, we've got the county championship underway in England and at some interesting games. Now, you tweeted the other day, Simon, I thought uh, you absolutely nailed it by saying, because everybody's talking about early season cricket and seamers taking all the wickets and batsmen can't score any runs. And I was at an early season game last year, Middlesex Northants, when uh, Northants were all out for 79. They were lucky to make that many, to be honest. Suddenly this year, you, what did you tweet? Well, everyone says it's a lottery batting in April. We've got four teams who made 500. Another, you know, one other team got over 400. Surrey got 390-odd. It's, it's, it's about the seam on the ball, well, though, it isn't is. it? It is. It is. It is about the seam on the ball. And I've just spoken today to Dilip Jajodia, who is the owner of the Duke's uh, factory, where, where all the balls are made for English cricket. And I was asking him specifically what they've done to the balls this year. And he said he was, he was asked to just tinker with the manufacturer very slightly... He was slightly irritated with it because he loved the cricket last year with the ball swinging and seeming and batsmen sort of struggling for, for survival, but thought it was it made compelling cricket, especially in a test match. But he's been asked to tighten the seam thread a little bit and flatten it just a touch, just minute amount. But it's amazing the difference it's made because, of course, that thread, that seam, not only does it grip on the, on the pitch and move off the wicket, but it also helps swing because it's the rudder. So as soon as you flatten that seam and narrow it, a little bit, the ball won't swing nearly as much. I mean, I was watching Jimmy Anderson bowling at Lords the other day. The ball was going plumb line straight. Uh, he still took two or three wickets. Uh, it was good enough for Middlesex, but it, it, it wasn't getting that waspish late swing that people have got last year. And the, uh, there, there's a rumour that the England bowlers have tried to get last year's balls to play in the Ashes this year. That's wrong. There are no uh, last year's balls around. They're going to be using this year's balls in the Ashes, the same as they're using in the county championship, so they won't move as much. So is that good news for Australia, then? Could be. Uh, is it? I mean, they, you know, they... Well, they won't have to face a ball that's jagging around, you know, not quite as much. jagging around. That's right, yeah. I mean, August... 
you know, when the ashes is on, maybe the ball isn't going to do quite as much anyway. But, but what you want then is you want the, those sort of small seams at this time of the year when you think there's probably like to be more juice in the pitches yeah. and, and a, a slightly bigger seam in, I don't know, July and August when the bowlers might need a bit more help. So I, I'm sorry for, for you bowlers uh, that, that you're not going to have quite the same sort of what we call planet Saturn type ball with that massive sort of scene going around the, the centre. It reminds me of, uh, you, know, you know, terrible, but in 1989, the ball, we used readers' balls actually that year and they were like planet Saturn. They had this huge seam on the middle and it shows how much uh, that they were advancing the bowler because I was top of the national averages for about <laughs> two months. Uh, so after that, it tri- clipped my wings and the following the year... The batsmen blindfolded as well. Well, they? probably. But uh, the, 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 after that, we had a little uh, trial. We tried out a few balls and the ECB decided, no, we're not going to have those anymore. Flatten the seams mm. and the f- seams were like, or- it was like an orange that the following year, 1990, what I've christened the year of the bat where... You know, Lancashire made 800 or 900 at the Oval and various people. Lots of batsmen got 2,000 runs in a season. So it shows how just a little tweak in the ball can actually make a massive difference. You have to be a bit careful with that. One thing I would say, though, I mean, there were still, and there have been results, you know, enough results in the first round of, of Championship matches. There have been some draws and sort of a ridiculously high-scoring game at, at Cardiff. I mean, that's almost unheard of, isn't it? A team getting 800 in April... But I mean, that, you know, bowlers have been successful. Stuart Broad took a fiver. Jimmy Anderson took what six in the match at at Lords. Although I have to say, Stuart Broad's fiver. Did you see the LBW against Azarali? No. Goodness me. Azarali, poor old Azarali. It, it, it was hitting probably the fifth stump down the leg side. <laughs> anyway, that went the umpire's finger. There we go. A fiver for Stuart Broad. Yeah, and and actually, you know, we could get Hawkeye in uh, county cricket before long. The the facilities are there. It just it's now a question of equipping the umpires with an app on their phone, and we could have, in maybe a year or two, we could have DRS in county cricket, so Azarali could have reviewed that. I think he'd have got away with it as well if he had done so. And now, of course, the other thing that's, that, that's happened, World Cup squads are being announced, Australia announced theirs, uh, no real surprise, Smith and Warner are in, I think that's obviously the, you know, the big headline there. Ashton Turner not in, he did very well in the, in the Big Bash, he really, really caught my eye in, in the Big Bash, mm. that's in, in T20 cricket rather than 50 over cricket of course, and no Rishabh Pant for India, for India which I, I, I think is, is re- it's disappointing for the World Cup not mm. to have a player like that, really exciting young talent, mm. uh, but India, you know, they've only got 15 to play with, which I think, uh, we've mentioned this before, I think it's ridiculous, 15 players, it's, mm. it's not enough, you should be allowed to have squads of say 16 or 17, just, I mean... For all sorts of reasons, really. I mean, it's a long tournament. Yeah, it's, it's a quite long intense tournament. tournament. Yeah. You have to play 11 matches to win the World Cup. I think these days, I think a squad of something like 17 mm. should be you know, what you should be allowed. Football World Cup's 23. Yeah. So, you know, <clears throat> it, seems, it seems too small, 15. What, Ali, what about Pakistan? Do you see any surprising choices for their World Cup squad? Uh, I absolutely agree, Simon. 15 is too few uh, for a tournament, especially when he's been played in a different country. So if, if you get a, someone who's injured, someone has to fly in, is he ready? Is he climatized? There's so many questions. You have to have a bigger squad when you're playing so many games. Uh, you know, for example, how, how many squads will have a second keeper? Mm. If the keeper gets injured, someone flies, flies in, are they ready? Are they settled? When At what time of the tournament will, are, they, are they needed there? Uh, too few. Uh, in, regarding Pakistan squad, we haven't announced yet. I think the biggest issue will be who will be our pacers. We have a lot of fast bowlers. We have some young uh, players, some people who have done well in the past in England. We have Amir, big question mark on him. Mohammed Amir. Mohammed Amir, yeah. who's obviously been fantastic in England over the past few years. 
you know, was instrumental in the Champions Trophy, but has t- has taken one wicket uh, this calendar year. Uh, really? Even even in the um, PSL wasn't as effective as he's, as he's been in the past. Will he play? Will Mohammad Abbas play? You know, you know, bowling at a similar speed. Mm. Both have done well in England. Both, uh, you know, swing the ball well. Who will be selected? Hassan know, Ali, obviously. Will be Hassan there. Ali, of course. Uh, Hassanen, who's our young talent. Yeah, he's a guy who's surprised people, hasn't he? Yeah, bowled 151 in, in the PSL. Mm. Uh, you know, phenomenal bowler. Just came into, um, you know, people People just started knowing about him in the PSL, even though he's played for under-19, Pakistan, Pakistan A. But uh, he could be our surprise package. Tell us a bit about him. Tell us a bit more about him. So he's from Hyderabad, which is in Sindh. I think he's the second um, player from Hyderabad to come into the Pakistan team. Raw talent, very good, very good guy, humble, very relaxed, but, you know, bowls 151. Um, that's that's so that's about 92, 93 yeah. miles an hour. That's quick. very quick. He's probably the, he's the quickest bowler Pakistan has in the squad right now. But again, is he is it too early? Some say it is. People like Vasim Akram say there's no such thing as too early for a fast bowler. He got selected when he was a teenager. Avakar Yunus got selected when he was a teenager. So yeah, we'll see if he's if he if we're going to be bold with our selection and get him in, or stick to the people who've done well before, like Junaid Khan and and Co. Why is it that Pakistan are so good at producing quick bowlers? It's not a. It's not a country. I mean, you know, you don't have green pitches particularly. It's obviously pretty hot at times of year. So, I mean, why is it? Do you think that, that there are so many quick bowlers from Pakistan? I think generally there's so many good role models you have. You grew up watching either you grew up watching Imran Khan, Sarfaz Nawaz, or you grew up watching Vaseem and Vakar. Mm. Uh, there's so many idols you have. And you know, as a fast bowler myself, I can tell you the reason I became a fast bowler was why most people do it to impress the girls. So you know that's always Did it always top. Uh, well, pretty successful, yeah. <laughs> got a couple, of, got a couple of wickets early on. No, I meant did you impress the girls? That's but... what I mean too. Oh, I see. Okay, <laughs> got a couple of wickets early on. Right. Why did so you become a fast that bowler? Was a Simon. Simon. <laughs> well, if you read my book Yakking Around the World, you'll find out. Uh, one of my books, a little bit about travelling the world to become a better bowler and about trying to find a wife. Uh, both of which I didn't really succeed in, so never mind. Um, <laughs> England's World Cup yes. squad, we should just touch on that. That will be announced on uh, Wednesday the 17th of April, so uh, a couple of days' time from when we're, we're speaking now. And, of course, the, the big focus is on whether they're going to select Jofra Archer in the World Cup squad. The, the alternatives are select him, not select him in the World Cup squad, so select 15 without him, but select him for the series against uh, Ireland and, and Pakistan. The only problem with that, of course, is... You know, really tough on the one player that they then leave out, who they've already selected in, in the World Cup squad. So, it'd be very interesting to see what the selectors come up with. Um, it's clear that they they they, they like Jofra Archer and they they want to have a look at him. Who doesn't love Jofra Archer? How could you guys not select him in your World Cup squad? Well, I, I completely agree. But you but you're saying you think from what you've heard, Simon, that. That, that he's going to have to wait. Well, there was just a just a, a sense. Uh, this is a, going a couple of weeks back now. Just a sense that he wouldn't be selecting the World Cup squad, but he would be for the the series against Pakistan. Have a look at him, and if he does really well, then right, okay, the evidence is is you know mm. incontrovertible. He's got to play in England's World Cup squad. But, but see, what's the criteria of very good? Is it is he economical? Does he get a lot of wickets? What if he gets a lot of wickets, but he's expensive? Will he get his place then, or is it? You know, 
do they already plan to get him in the World Cup squad? In, in which case, how badly does he have to play to not get selected? Yeah. I, I think the problem is that there is a lack of evidence yeah. about his performances in 50-over cricket. He's only played 14 games for Sussex in this day, 50-over cricket. So there is only a, a very small body of evidence of how he deals with various things. And one of them is obviously bowling 10 overs. Uh, we've seen him bowling four overs in two spells of two, normally a couple of overs in the power play at the start and a couple of overs at the end. So he bowls in those really difficult business ends of the of the match, of the innings. But there's no real evidence about how he goes in the middle overs. And the middle overs in 50-over cricket are slightly different from T20 because obviously they last longer, but also you only have four men out on the boundary between 10 and 40 overs, whereas, of course, you can have five men in the whole of a T20 game after the power play of six overs. So that just takes a little bit more adjusting to. There are two major scoring opportunities for a batsman between 10 and 40 overs in a 50-over game because you can only protect four corners of the boundary or four areas of the boundary and I think just being able to adjust to that and having to bowl you know possibly five or six over spells if it's going well uh, or you know coming back several times if it's not going so well is something that people haven't quite seen him do. I mean, the bottom line is England want to win the World Cup uh, if Joffre Archer does go well in the Pakistan series and he's not selected in England's original World Cup squad, you've just got to be ruthless. Something. I mean, it's it's, it's tough, but it's it, you know, it's going to be hard on somebody. But you know, it's about having the 15 best players available. It's all, it goes back a little bit to 2005. You remember that one-day series before the Ashes when Kevin Peterson was doing well. Everyone saying, "Well, should he be in the England's Test squad for the Ashes?" And he did well in the one-day series, and they, they just went with it because it, it was clear that he's got the talent. And you know, obviously. Look what happened after that, you know, half century on his debut, that brilliant 150 at the Oval to helping them win the Ashes in the, in the final Test match. So, I mean, go with class. I mean, that, I mean, he yeah. looks to have so much class, Archer. Yeah, and I mean, I've watched every game he's played in this year's IPL, yeah. and he, every batsman that has got quality has re- played him with respect. He's hit that Dhoni on the head. He's also should have got Dhoni out bowled off a, off an inside edge, went onto the stumps, didn't take the bales off. Every batsman that, that has been a test class or an international class batsman has handled him with a certain amount of apprehension, actually. Nobody has really dominated him. He's got the ability to bowl a Yorker at will, which few bowlers in the world have. It doesn't always go right, of course. You know, It never does for, for bowlers bowling at the death. It's, it's a tough job. But I think generally, that, as you say, Simon, the class, the variety, that X. X factor of being able Absolutely. to bowl 93, 94 miles an hour without any apparent effort. I mean, it just comes from nowhere. And he can field and he can bat. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I'd be shocked if you if uh, you guys don't pick him. Uh, it's just ridiculous. Well, it's not, it's not Simon and I who, As in, <laughs> who you, select you the team. <laughs> but, no, yeah. but, but in a way, that's an interesting view coming yeah. from Pakistan because if you, you guys, Pakistanis, will just pull someone out from nowhere. Absolutely. Nobody's ever heard of him. Hasnan, prime example. Yeah. He's being, he literally, no one have heard of him before the PSL, which was in February. He did well, uh, bowled very quick, got uh, lots of wickets. And immediately he was in the uh, Australia's yeah. door. Immediately, I remember. Um, I remember when Wazir. And now he's in the now he's in the World Cup contention. Yeah. I mean, I remember when Wazir Akram was selected. He was eighteen, and he was just drafted in from nowhere. Waka Yunus, you know, pretty much pitched in from nowhere. People sort of saw him in the nets. Imran saw him in the nets or somewhere, or saw him on telly, and thought, "Well, yeah, I'm, I'm having him." You know, so there, there is a much more spontaneous approach to selection in Pakistan, which I suppose sometimes can backfire, but generally it makes. That sort of kind of cricket team a bit more exciting. Absolutely. So would Pakistan pick him if, if he were available to Pakistan? Would he, would they pick Jofra Archer? 
Do you think? Tough roster? Absolutely. No question about it. And uh, even even now, uh, we're we're trying to get... You have to have people in the squad who have that X factor. It's not Obviously, maybe they won't be in starting 11, but in the squad that you're taking with, you're keeping with you, you have to have those one or two players, whether it's Kevin Peterson as a, as a batsman or Jofra Archer as a bowler. You have to have that X factor in the squad in some matches where you need where you, where you need a miracle to win. And those guys with X factor can single-handedly win you those matches. Well, listen, we'll, we'll break uh, the conversation there because all will be revealed in the next few days. Uh, after the, this little break, we're going to talk more about Pakistan cricket in general. I've always been fascinated with Pakistan cricket, actually. I mean, I went there for the first time in the mid-90s to cover an England A tour, and I just found it compelling to see the poor facilities everywhere and yet the great enthusiasm for the game and the talent wherever you looked. I've got this image, actually, still in my head of sort of driving through, I think, Lahore or somewhere, and just all these concrete paddocks or dusty paddocks and the sight of... Boys of sort of sixteen in their shalwar kameezes, their sort of long shirts and their their hair, tearing into bowl and bowling, and the, the sort of shirt tails flapping at the back and bowling these tape delivery tape ball deliveries, where they're swinging yorkers and bouncers and things, and the batsman flap you know flapping at it, smacking it. I played in a a practice match on Multan's club ground, which I know is where you're from and you're developing the, the game there. And I was just amazed by the talent. And where, did, where does it all come from? Uh, I have no idea. Uh, just, it's just so much talent in Pakistan, especially in South Punjab. Uh, you get bowlers, you get these batsmen, which just, you know, just have a, have a knack for the game, have an understanding of the game. Everything seems to slow down for them. Even though they have no facilities, they have no coaching. It's just raw talent. And, uh, you know, it's so sad that we just don't develop it like we should. Mm. Take a young batsman. The first time they ever get a proper coach telling them, teaching them technique is after they select, they're selected for the national team. Which, by, you know, by that time, how much can you change your technique mm. when you're in your mid-20s and have been selected uh, in your national team? How much has Pakistan suffered from not having international cricket in Pakistan? Uh, hugely. Um, you know, obviously... After the after the Sri Lanka incident, uh, the foreign foreign tours finished. Uh, the number the amount of money they're coming into PCB obviously reduced, and the biggest sufferers was uh, you know club club cricket, grassroots level cricket suffered tremendously. The number of grounds went down, the number of pitches. You had some ground which had you know four or five turf wickets. Now you have one cement wicket because it's easier to maintain, but you cannot become a player uh, on a cement on a cement wicket. You can't be a bowler. You can't be a proper batsman either. So our, our, what we've done in the past two years to develop cricket in South Punjab, because South Punjab is where Bakar Yunus came from, Inzamam al-Haq came from, Mushtaq Ahmed came from. Since they retired, there's been no one, uh, no one young from South Punjab who has made it to the national team. Well, it's a big area, run. isn't it? Is big it? area, 50, 50 million people. 50 um, million, yeah, 50, 50 million. million. That's a quarter of the population yeah. of Pakistan. Huge, huge area. Uh, but, you know, you just don't get people coming to the national team. So two years ago, we started making academies, making grounds. We brought a structured league to Pakistan, Last Man Stands, which is an amateur cricket league in England. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, spread across 14 countries. So I thought that was a great uh, structured league to bring to Pakistan. We brought that in, hugely successful. We were expanding every every season. And uh, then the PSL team came about, which was from the same region. And we obviously jumped on the opportunity to get that team to give a final platform to the people we were developing in, in South Punjab. So you have bought the 
Multan team. Yes, how along did, with a couple of other owners. How did that come about? Explain the sort of background there. So the, this was not a regular expansion. The Multan Sultan team was sold a year before um, to, a, to a company, to a group. They, after one year, uh, didn't pay the PCB. The PCB then re-auctioned it, um, and we uh, were able to put together a consortium to buy the team. The only issue was we bought the team after the draft had been done. So the coach, assistant coach, management, all the players were already selected by the time we got the team. So we inherited a team from PCP. So just give people an, ex- you know, an idea of who well, your, your coach and who your, some so, of your players were, for example. So we had um, very experienced people as our, as our players. We had Shweb Malik, who was um, who's capped Pakistan many times. We had Shai Afridi, obviously everyone's uh, favourite current boom, Pakistani boom, cricketer. Afridi. Absolutely. Um, Is he still boom-booming it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Single-handedly won us a couple of games. Uh, you know, two sixes back-to-back when we needed it. Yeah, you know, phenomenal <laughs> player. Phenomenal player. Fantastic. And, our, and our, one of our best bowlers. And then, but we also had fantastic players, international players like Steve Smith, uh, Joe Dendy, and uh, Nicholas Puran, all three of whom became unavailable yeah. because Smith got an injury. Uh, you guys selected uh, Denley, even though he didn't play any one days. <laughs> and uh, Nicholas Poor also got selected for the West Indies. But we were lucky. Poorin, yeah, yeah, talented, yeah. But luckily, we were able to get uh, uh, you know our own Hampshire boy, uh, James Vince. I'm also I also have a house in Hampshire, so I consider myself a Hampshire fan and a Hampshire boy as well. Uh, and he did really, really well for us, as did Laurie Evans, who was from Sussex, and uh, Tom Morris. We had a good uh, English um, English uh, group in our team, but um, you know we weren't able. To, we weren't. We didn't do as well as we'd hoped. Uh, we were f- uh, number five out of six. Uh, mm-hmm. We were obviously very unlucky in some games. Four of our games went to the last over. Two went to the last ball, in which the other team needed a six to win. And David Visa decided to hit a huge six on that ball to Dan Christian. But uh, you know, overall, it was a great experience. But next year is when we properly plan to stamp our own <coughs> vision and authority onto the team mm-hmm. in terms of player selection and, you know, the whole the whole makeup of the team. Yeah. So, so what is that vision then? So, well, I, at least mine is because obviously there are two other corners. My vision is to use this as a platform to develop players. Uh, it's not just about that one month tournament because you know what you can't really coach anyone in that month. You can't really you know develop a player. It should be a long term vision in which you have a three year plan to to win the PSL. That you get start getting a good core. You have a balance between experienced players and youngsters. But, you know, the excitement comes in when you have these young players who out of nowhere come in and win new matches. And then suddenly everyone's talking about them. Uh, everyone's interested in them. And they've been a name for themselves. They have the hunger. They have the desire to become better. That's what's really exciting about, uh, you know, T20 franchises. Not just the established players coming in, scoring centuries and winning tournaments. And I suppose the, uh, the difficulty for you uh, as an owner in Pakistan is that to really develop players, you need to play the tournament in Pakistan. So what is the sort of future plan in that regard? So the current plan, uh, our Prime Minister Imran Khan, who's obviously a legendary cricketer, he announced during the PSL that the next PSL will all take place in Pakistan. This time we had eight games in Pakistan. The plan was to have uh, you know 14 next year. But now, uh, suddenly the plan is to have all of them in Pakistan. Which is great because, uh, you know, you finally get to have the same experience that you have in IPL, which is home and away matches. 
the fun of playing in Multan, the Multan team playing in Multan in front of the home crowd is just a, you know a different experience. So hopefully we can achieve that next year where we have home and away matches. Is, is, it, is it practical? I mean, you know, you, you say that maybe you haven't got the stadia yet. Um, what about your security issues for players and things? I mean, can you see that being reconciled? I think that beyond the security issue is 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 a, is a minor issue. The biggest issue will be how do we entertain the players? You know, being stuck in a Pakistani hotel for a month, uh, you know, isn't isn't the most exciting prospect. Uh, so hopefully because of expand. security, because you, you you feel I won't be able to get out because of the security. Um, also because of security and maybe because of logistics, depending on where they're playing, if all the matches are in a few cities or if it's going to be spread out properly, like home and away, that'll be obviously very, a, lot, a lot of fun because people will be traveling, looking at different parts of the region, uh, will be traveling on a plane, train, by road. You know, that's going to be... So where, are, where are the teams based now? You've got one in Multan. You have Multan, Lahore, Islamabad, Karachi... Uh, which, are, which are all fine, but then the Peshawar and the Quetta teams, hmm. that's where you get problems because then you can't play home matches. Hmm. You know, Peshawar used to be a fantastic ground, I've but you there, haven't yeah. had, uh, hmm. you know, matches there in decades. Hmm. Quetta hasn't had even first-class games since 2006, I think. So, you know, where will they play their home games? Will they play them in Karachi or Islamabad? But for the rest of the teams, I think it'd be... A, if you, even if you can have four teams playing home and away matches, I think for the crowds, for the people... The fans, the teams, the players themselves, you know, it's always fun playing in a packed stadium as opposed to a semi-full stadium in Dubai. I mean, actually, Liam Livingston, who came back from the PC at PSL to play in the IPL, said it was absolutely fantastic. He loved it. I mean, obviously, it was played in Dubai and stadiums there are, what, a quarter full, maybe? So you haven't the got weekend. the same... You atmosphere. get them really full during the, on the weekends, yeah. especially Sharjah, jam-packed. Right. Yeah, but so, you really need to get back to Pakistan. I mean, that's that's the key. I mean, you can you can it can be you can have a relatively successful tournament in the, in the Middle East, but really Pakistan is where it absolutely. needs to be. Home and away matches. It's not just if it's all in one city in Pakistan, for example. That's that's terrible. That's a bad idea. You have to have home and away matches. You have to give the people. You have to give the fans the ability to watch and support their own teams in their own local stadiums. That's when the fun comes in. If everyone's then tra- traveling to Karachi to watch all the matches or traveling to Dubai. People in South Punjab, people in up north in uh, Peshawar, same thing. Mm. It's easier to go to Dubai than to go to Karachi uh, for that game. Now it's it's remarkable that, that Pakistan, you know, given <coughs> all the sort of issues that you've had over the last ten or twelve years, you're still as a, as a country performing pretty well and competing with with obviously the other international countries who have got far more advantages, more resources, better financed, etc. Give us a little insight into, uh, you know, players that you've tried to, to bring on with camps and things like that and their lack of exposure to, to international coaching. Uh, I'll give you a basic um, example. Right after the PSL right now, we had a fast bowling camp arranged in South Punjab where the best players from the region were selected and some of the players from the PSL. And Ian Pond came from the National Fast Bowling Academy in the UK. That's Ian Pond, the former Essex yes, fast bowler. He's got uh, his own fast bowling academy. Absolutely. Yeah. So he came in with Catherine Dalton, who's also a phenomenal fast bowler. And we came in for five days and we, and we coached the kids. The people from the PSL, my, the bowlers from my team, after two days, they said, you know, we have never been explained how fast bowling works ever. No one has ever told us if we were side on, if we were front on. If we had a you know mixed action, we never even heard of these terms. So one big issue with Pakistan fast bowlers is you get so many injuries as soon as they get to some you know standard of cricket. So if they're doing doing really well in first class, suddenly uh, they'll have a stress fracture because most of these guys have mixed actions. 
they've you know going with the that, that when we call mixed actions it's sort of bowling front on with part of your body side on basically. oh yeah or vice versa yeah so a lot of guys their front leg crosses over to the right side mm. and then they you know they're bending over themselves to deliver the ball and they're bowling very very quick so we have we have one guy who's 22 who's bowling at 140 there was a 17 year old bowling at 137 and these are very frail thin guys it's, it's not coming from any gym work this is just natural swing and you know their talent but all of them, none of their legs were braced. Uh, they had mixed action. Uh, b- back was bending. Arm was going all over the place. And no one had ever taught them how to fix that. Not that they need to fix it for, you know, just for speed or for accuracy, but mainly for injury prevention. Mm-hmm. If these guys get make it to first class, get a contract, and then get injured, and they're out for the next two years, they're not going to get a contract again. Because you had a bowler, didn't you, who was trying to get better. He was already bowling, you know, close to 90 miles an hour, was desperately trying to find ways of getting better, but no one said it had any ideas apart from go to the gym and do more, lift more weights. Well, our, our, one of our bowlers, Mohamed Elias, uh, who's 19 years old, very, very physically strong. Uh, he's, he bowls, you know, 138, 139. And he's he, and at the fast bowling camp, he said, you know, I've always asked coaches, how can I bowl faster? And the answer I get from every single coach in the country is eat more, go to the gym. Even though, you know, there's so many basic things you can do with technique. For example, when he lands, both his legs bend when he's delivering the ball. If he's not, if he has, if he's not, if he's not bracing his front leg, he can't, he's, he's not really generating that kind of power and momentum to go over the leg and all the energy goes in the ball. He's losing so much of it. And he doesn't jump when he bowls and gather properly. There's so many small things he, does, he can do to improve. And all, even in the camp, three days in, he was already bowling faster. Mm. But yes. no one had taught him to do that before. Never. No one said, no coach had ever no said one, No one. No, no one. one. Not, not that, not just that, no coach had told him, but there was no, no one had, no one understands the fundamentals of fast bowling, uh, you know, in the coaching setup in Pakistan, right? At the moment, or if they are, then they aren't, then those coaches aren't as vocal and aren't as available to the fast bowlers. I'm sure the people who know this, but... The current coaching setup doesn't have these guys teaching people right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, in a way, you can overcoach. And, and just as a plays devil's advocate for a minute, you know, someone like Wazim Akram presumably was never coached. He just watched cricket on telly, whatever cricket was on telly when he was a kid. And I, I can remember exactly the same. You know, you just you learn a lot from just watching the TV. And, you know, no one would want to have tried to coach either Waka or Wazim, really, because they just had these unique actions. Do you remember Waka Yunus, his back leg, as he landed, pointed backwards towards the sight screen? <laughs> I mean, nobody would ever want to actually coach that. But the, the, uh, the talk that he managed to, to get on the ball, the, the momentum he managed to get from that action, from that sort of twisting hip action that he had, uh, was, was absolutely incredible. So even now in the fast bowling camp, when we recorded everyone's actions, mm. the goal is not to change anyone's action. So uh, many bowlers, some people, again, very similar to Vakar, you know, someone's foot was pointing to the, back, uh, to the, to the side screen, someone's pointing sideways, someone's pointing here, someone's pointing there, some people land and twist on their heel, on their toe. The goal is to just show them the fundamentals of fast bowling. For example, once you're about to deliver the ball, both your hips should be pointing straight. However you start, as long as eventually you get to the to, to, to level hips when you're deliver, delivering the ball, that's fine. So we saw videos of Brett Lee, we saw videos of uh, Jeff Thompson, uh, and so many bowlers, and they all have different actions. Mm. No one is saying, you mirror your action to Brett Lee, who had a very orthodox action. You can have any action you want. As long as the basic fundamentals are being followed, level hips, you know, everything going straight, toes pointing straight, at, at time of delivery, not spending too much time on your back foot, 
basic stuff. Mm. We're not trying to overcoach. We're not trying to change anyone's action. It's just to understand what is the most efficient way of generating pace. Do you know what is what's really nice about your story, Ali? And, and we'll just recap, by the way, you're one of the owners of the Multan Sultans uh, in the PSL. But, you know, people sort of conceive the idea of owners in T20 leagues sort of being these egomaniacs who are just throwing a bit of cash to basically sort of boast that they can own a team. But actually, the certainly the next phase of owners that you've seen, certainly in the IPL as well as the, the PSL, are people who care, actually, and who want to try and make a difference in their society. And it sounds like certainly that's your ambition. You know, maybe one day, uh, hopefully if I'm successful, I'll be, be that guy who's throwing money around and, you know, all, <laughs> all, the, all the flash and everything. But uh, just for the next few years, my goal is to focus on, on redeveloping, uh, you know, the region and getting players from the region to get to the national team. Because that's, you know, that's, that's the dream. It could easily be that uh, the PSL has the same impact on Pakistan cricket as the IPL has had on Indian. You look at Indian cricket now and the number of fast bowlers they've got for a start. Also, the ability of their batsmen against fast bowlers has catapulted upwards. So now it's not the the traditional ruse to bowl short at Indian batsmen because they can handle it. In fact, they're very good against the short ball. And just the standard of grounds, the standard of fielding, the standard of fitness of the England... of the Indian team has raised the bar in terms of international cricket. Well, the only other thing as well is the the number of places in India that are producing mm. top class cricketers as well. I mean, the game is sort of spread out across India, and you think that massive population, if you could harness that, well, they have harnessed it to some extent. They can yeah. harness it even further; mm. they'll be unbeatable for. 50 years. And, 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 you know, I know that there will be a lot of English listeners who are still negative about the IPL and wonder what all the fuss is about. You know, I've just been out there and watched it and, and been with the players and the, the, the intensity, the amount of time they put into practice and assessing the game and the seriousness of the competition is unarguable. Mm. So your your plan is to turn around the Multan Sultans and, and what, what, turn around the personnel with uh, use of what's all analysis and, and and stats and bringing in players using using stats is that part uh, of it absolutely as well? absolutely you know you have to learn from the IPL you know they've been doing it for for longer and they're doing it at in the absolute top level and this focus on stats data analytics uh, you know approaching it. In such a such a smart way, I think that is what uh, people in Pakistan, the PSL, they have to learn from. Obviously, we naturally have more talent, but we need to be doing these things as well uh, to make sure we, get, we we can make the best team and you know uh, have the highest chance for success moving forward. So the plan now is to immediately get the best analyst and strongest analyst that we can find, and. First, I might, I might apply for that. <laughs> so the plan don't is laugh to... like that. <laughs> I think we we'll get you on as a bowling coach. No, I don't. You, you don't want that. No, definitely not. So get the analyst first, because if you can pick players using data and their performance, why can't you pick coaches with their uh, with data and their performance? Mm. And obviously, yeah. you don't get you know the one coach, but you get you know the top five from there, and mm. then you can meet them and and and, and yeah. Discuss. I mean, and, and there is quite a lot of data now about coaches, isn't there? It's it's interesting. It's gone like football managers, so that you know you are judged on your winning and your performance levels generally, your percentage wins, and coaches who don't cut the mustard are out. 
What about finance, though? I mean, you, are you able to pay the money to bring people in? Is there a lot of money in the in the in the PSL? Oh no, everyone's definitely losing money in the PSL uh, at at the moment. It's more of a, um, it's, it's definitely a long term approach because this is we just did uh, season four, and everyone's in it for the long term. So the plan is once all the teams come to Pakistan, and uh, suddenly the revenue increases, you get advertisers who want to spend more because everything's happening in Pakistan and they can do proper marketing campaigns around the tournament. Right now, everything's in Dubai, so they have to wait for the final matches in Pakistan. So, you know, once everything is in Pakistan and the stadiums are, you know, under your control and everything you're doing is local, like in the like in the IPL, that's when all, all the money comes in. But, you know, you have to you have to spend money to build the brand and to and to develop the team in the way you in to, you know, match your vision. So my my own goal is you know less about winning the tournament, um, more about developing players. So if someone you know let's say offered me a deal that you know ten years you will never win the tournament, but you will develop ten players who will make it to the Pakistan team, I will take that deal any day. Obviously my co-owners won't agree with me. Uh, they're more into the you know let's win ten and zero and get that a, kind of get stuff. Get a trophy or two. Uh, get a trophy or two, of course. Which which obviously is I wouldn't mind that, but that success should be should be a, a side effect of. Um, you know the development program you have, the coaching staff, and the analyst and the analyst work you guys are doing. If you're doing that well, so you get a good team from the draft, and then each player you're about, you can improve, whether it's a Pakistani player or even a foreign player. Because my goal and my dream would be to have young players from England, from Australia, from South Africa, who for whatever reason haven't been able to cut it into the national team yet, but are fantastic T20 players. Because right now the game is you know you start off as a you want to be a test player. If you do well in that, and you do well in the one days, then you become, you know, a T20 player as you get older and you're less interested in test and so on. It's reversed somewhat now with you getting people from T20 franchises into first one days and then test teams. But you know, there's so many players in your pathway system that just just aren't in the system and are amazing players and are hungry. Mm. We want to be able to give, able to give them the platform. To show their skills and to improve them. Uh, yeah, and, and actually, that's that was a point that, that Raul Dravid made when I sp- uh, chatted to him a while ago. That uh, the great thing about the IPL was that it gave the opportunity to so many more Indian cricketers to play at a high level, to play in front of big crowds. He said it it, it avoided the victims of cricket. It gave because he used to say that. A lot of players that played Ranji Trophy cricket barely earned any money. They sort of get out of the first class game in India and when they were about 32 with nothing much to do except either be a groundsman or a coach or something and they earned a pittance. But now there is the opportunity for young, budding Indian players all around the country to earn a decent living. But why should it just be uh, limited to the local emerging yeah, talent? Sure. Why not you know, teenagers from England, Australia, South no, Africa, New point. Zealand? If they can come in you know, put in the time, put in mm. the effort, work with the coaches we have, and make a name name for themselves through our platform, through our team. That's fantastic. Mm. Just all these franchises, obviously, are doing su- such good jobs in terms of uh, you know, spreading the game, getting new fans, uh, you know, getting people more better salaries. But it should be a platform for all young players around the world to be able to make a name for themselves, and that is what my dream would be for people to use the Multan Sultan platform to you know make a name for themselves. Pakistan World Cup, everyone's assuming that England, Australia and India are going to be the dominant three teams. What Most about likely. Pakistan in the World Cup? Pakistan is, all, Pakistan is always the wild card, uh, take the Champions Trophy. You know, uh, We had a very slow start, weren't looking like winning the tournament at all, weren't looking like getting to the knockout stages, but 
suddenly turned it around against um, South Africa and then again the final. So, you know, never know with Pakistan because we have a lot of uh, Jofra Archers. Uh, uh, we have a lot of X-Factor players in the team. I think some some might say too many, but, you know, if they click and when they click, it's fireworks. If you go by the IPL, the team is the real wild card. The West Indies, goodness me, there's some talent in the in the in the Caribbean. Mm. If, if, if they pick them all as well, I mean they've got a new selection panel, new chief executive, new whatever in West yeah, Indies. I mean, Sunil Narine still. No one can really fathom his bowling. It's incredible how consistent he is. Nobody... You know, MS Dhoni has never hit a boundary off him. He was dismissed by him the other day. MS Dhoni has never hit a boundary off Sunil Narine in all the IPLs. That's probably about six or seven editions. Because he's that clever. He's crafty. So many varieties. He's deceptive. He's so deceptive. I would love to see him in the World Cup. I wouldn't like to bat against him. (laughs) But I think I'll tell you what, he would really light up the World Cup. And so would the likes of Andre Russell. I was just going to say... if you guys want to see yeah. the World Cup light up, you need Andre Russell. Definitely. Andre Russ is yes. the is just the most exciting player. Incredible in Alp, right now. isn't he? It's, it's terrifying. I I want to watch him batting behind the sofa. <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely terrifying. Anyway, Ali, thank you for your time yeah. and good luck with all your initiatives. Just just before I sign off, just want to say, uh, as an avid listener of the podcast, um, being with you guys here and being part of the podcast now is just. Um, humbling wonderful experience so it's a pleasure to have uh, it's been a pleasure to be with you guys and thank you so much for having me on board oh, so it's a pleasure to have you Absolutely. and uh, t- tell all your followers don't forget the the cricketer website i told you about at the start the cricketer.com forward slash free trial to get those three free issues uh, lots of interesting cricket going on in england of course this week uh, with the royal london cup starting so the white ball is going to take over for the next few weeks or so uh, lots to play for absolutely one of the most exciting summers ever in the history of English cricket is about to unfold go Hampshire (laughs) thanks for listening Podcast Network.